Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LC Give to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Now in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. In the beginning, God created everything that we see today. When the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, there was no land, there was no light, there was nothing. And then God spoke it, and it was created. When God said, let there be land, land formed. When God said, let there be light, there was light. And then God said, let's make some birds, and let's make some fish, and have them dwell on the earth. And then he created man out of the dust and the clay of the earth. And in that form he created, he breathed the breath of life into that, making it a living being, and he called him Adam. Now, after Adam had taken, we don't know how long, I would imagine it would be forever, but the Bible says that he named all of the animals. And after he did that, there was not a, a companion found that was suitable for him. So God put Adam to sleep and took a rib from his body and created woman. And God set them in the Garden of Eden. A place that was perfect. No toil, no stress. And he, char- he charged them with, with one thing. Do not eat from the tree of good, of the knowledge of good and evil. And after God had done all these things, he saw it was good, he rested. Until one unfortunate event changed everything. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you again for your presence in this place. And we ask that this morning, as we dive into your word, that it would come alive. We ask that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that we would walk out of here better people because of your word impacting our lives. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are beginning a new series called Advent. And what exactly is Advent? So I looked it up. And the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming, which is a translation of the Greek word parousia. Now, scholars believe that during the 4th and 5th uh, and centuries in Spain and Gaul, Advent was a season of preparation for the, ba- the, the baptism of new Christians in January during the Feast of Epiphany, the celebration of God's incarnation represented by the visit of the Magi to baby Jesus in Matthew 2, the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in John chapter 1, and his first miracle in Cana in John chapter 2. Now, during this season of preparation, Christians would spend 40 days in penance, in prayer, and fasting to prepare for this celebration. Originally, there was no tie of Advent to Christmas. Now, by the 6th century, however, Roman Christians had tied Advent to the coming of Christ. But the coming that they were referring to was not the birth of Jesus, but the second coming of Jesus, where he would set up and establish his kingdom and his rule. 
Um, but it wasn't until the Middle Ages that ad, the Advent season was explicitly linked to Christ's first coming at Christmas. Now, in today's culture, Advent lasts for four Sundays leading up to Christmas. At that time, um, a new Christian year begins with the 12-day celebration of Christmas, Christmas tide, which lasts from Christmas Eve until Epiphany on January 6th. Now, Advent typically begins between November 27th and December 3rd and runs four weeks. Today is December 1st, and we begin Advent. So over the next four weeks, we will be looking at four different topics. Love, joy, hope, and peace. And the topic we will be covering today is love. Now, returning to the garden, we see a different advent or a different coming than what we were just talking about. You see, when Adam and Eve made the decision through free will, through the deception of Satan, through the serpent, to eat of the fruit of the, for, uh, of the forbidden tree, we see the coming of fear, the coming of shame, the coming of sin. It was something that had never been a part of the human experience until that point. You see, for the first time, Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. They had shame, and, and God would walk with them and talk with them. And it says that God came to, to commune with them, and they were hiding. And he cried out to them and asked, where are you? Where are you? And they said, we are, we are ashamed. We, we, are, we are hiding ourselves because we are naked. And he said, who's told you that you were naked? And then we see that God, through his love, performs the first sacrifice to cover sins that they had committed. And they were pushed out of the garden and now had to live a life working the soil with weeds. And there would be uh, pain and childbirth and at this point, I'm sure Satan thought that he had one up on God, that he was on the road to victory over the Creator. But you see, God being himself had all things under control. We look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's a lot there, so I'm going to read it one more time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, when John wrote these words, he was speaking to two different people groups. He was speaking to the Greeks, and he was speaking to the Jews. Now, when he uses the term, the word, the Greeks understood it as uh, the spoken word. It referred to the spoken word or the unspoken word. And when the word was, used, um, was applied to the universe, it was referring to the rational principle that governs all things. So John is tying Jesus into the, the rational principle between right and wrong. And that's a, a concept that the Greeks could grasp. And when he spoke it to the Jews, that term was used to refer 
to God. So he was tying in Jesus' deity by referring to him as the Word. So according to the words written by John, Jesus was there in the beginning. It states that all things were made through him and for him. So when God said, let there be land, Jesus made land. When, when God said, let there be light, Jesus made light. He was there in the very beginning. You see, and that light is the light that, that the darkness can overcome, it can understand it. But it brings me to this thought, that if Jesus was there in the very beginning, the Father was there, the Spirit was there, and they knew what was going to happen, only God's love could imagine our salvation. Only God could come up with such a plan. Now, this last week, we celebrated Thanksgiving, where how many of you overstuffed yourself? I did okay. I didn't get too bad. I was actually able to eat more pie because I didn't eat a lot of turkey. <laughs> I think I did good. But as we all know, that snowstorm came through and I had snow for days. And Thanksgiving morning, Allison was getting the turkey ready and, and making some things. I had just come in from cleaning the snow and the kids were sitting at the uh, counter eating cereal. And I don't know what prompted my son to ask this question. And I don't know if Allison remembers, but he looked at me and said, Daddy, why did God make humans? And I was right there. And that one question is probably the deepest philosophical, theological question asked by humans since the dawn of time. Why did God create humans? So I found myself racking my brain. Like, how do I take something that is so, can be so complex and explain it to so a four-year-old? can grab hold of that. And so I started to answer, and then I stopped. And then I started to answer again. And I, I finally came up with, God wanted someone or something to pour his love into and have a relationship with. And he wanted it to be a creation that didn't have to return love, that they had choice in the matter that they could choose to love him back. A true kind of love. A love that was reciprocated, that turned into a relationship. Now, I didn't go that deep with him. I just said God wanted someone to reveal himself to and love and, and, and show himself to. And then Ava, my eight-year-old, chimes in. She said, then Adam and Eve ate the fruit and sin and got kicked out of the garden. Yeah. <laughs> And then she says, but Jesus died for our sins. Right there, my friends, in one little story with kids, is all the answers. It's simple. God wanted us. We messed up. And God fixed it. You see, only God's love could imagine our salvation. You know, when I think about God and, and my relationship with Him, you know, there are people I'd heard growing up in church, there's, there's no greater example of God's relationship or love for someone than a parent to their child. And now being a dad for eight years, I, I would say it's the absolute truth. You know, Allison and I prayed and wanted, for kids, wanted kids so, so badly. 
And without getting into a long story, we lost more babies than we had, but we finally got Ava and Harrison. Ava's eight and Harrison's four. And I tell you what, those kids, I love them more than, than life itself. There's really, I can't think of anything I wouldn't do for them, but there are some days I'd like to wring their neck. <laughs> like, Ava is eight going on 18, and the sass that comes from her face, when it's just like, not yet, please, you're eight. And they know how to push every button and, and test every nerve and just like, come on, kid, you know, you're going to do that again. You're going to say that. You're going to make that choice. But then it made me think, how many times have I done that? And God looks at me, he's like, Forrest, really? Again? We're going to go this way? You've tried that. You know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. I know I've tried God's patience. But here's the thing. Much like my love for my kids, how much greater is God's love for us? How much more does he love us? You know, we learn that God in his infinite love and grace continues to walk with us and teach us. And like my kids... When they mess up, they need discipline and correction. Sometimes we need discipline and correction. It's not fun. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. And a lot of times we get stuck in Christian culture and that everything, we kind of get this idea that, you know, we, we hear God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. God wants to, and yes, he wants to bless us, but I think we need to change our perspective on the blessing. We need to look at it at a different angle. God's blessing doesn't mean rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and chocolate chip cookies and ribs and apple pie and all the things that are great in life. You see, a lot of God's blessings come when we go through something. You see, we need to change that when we ask for God's blessing, it's not always going to be like I just said, rainbows and butterflies, but we're going we're to go through some stuff. But the thing God promises, he would walk with us through that. He would be with us through the trials, through the hard times, through the hardships. He would give us hope and peace. You know, God is more concerned now, this might be a controversial statement, but I, I grew up hearing this a lot. God's more concerned about my character than he is my comfort. And if we can grab hold of that, because it's in the hard times, like I said, in the discomfort, where we find ourselves really willing to dig in, grab hold of God, go to the quiet place and seek him. And, and, and through those times, get into his word and read and and. You know, when we're willing to do that and see that God wants on the other side of the, the, the bad situation for us to be a better person, a better character, to be a person of integrity, to be a person that is trustworthy, to be a person that is giving, to be, in short, like Jesus. You know...
Like I said before, only God could imagine, only God's love could imagine our salvation. And I have one last story that I wanted to read to you, and it's a long portion. It's from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 31, but I really think it drives home the point. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your smartphone, you can push there. Um, I was thinking about it. One thing I kind of miss about church is the rustling of all the, the pages when the pastor would say, turn to your Bibles. And now we all, I mean, I'm guilty. I got both up here. But um, starting in chapter 15, verse 11, this is a parable Jesus was telling. And it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Now, there's so much to unpack from that story, and there's no possible way we could do it in the next few minutes. But there were a few key points that jumped out to me that ties into what we're talking about. And the first thing is free will. 
you know, we can go, do, and say whatever we want. We have that ability. We are creatures of free will to choose the people we want to be. That's something I tell my kids almost daily. And and it's kind of derived from, I guess, my love for superheroes. Um, Uncle Ben said it to Peter Parker. Um, Jonathan Kent said it to Clark Kent. That's Spider-Man and Superman. um, But my favorite being Superman, Clark had all the power in the world. And whoever Clark decided to be was going to change the world. We are much the same because we have the power and the ability to choose who we will be and who we choose to be will impact the world around us, the people around us. And we have that kind of freedom and that kind of power, whether we realize it or not. And the oldest, the, the, the son, the first son, he had that ability to take, he asked, he received and took and squandered it. He had that free will. The second thing I see is God's grace. After the, second, the, the first son humbles himself and is home, probably homeless, starving to death. I mean, he wants to eat the food of pigs. Um, he, he has to humble himself and realizes, you know what? My, my father's hired men are living better than I do. I simply return home. But he had to humble himself and come back. But the thing we see is, the Bible says, well, he was a far way off. The father saw him. And the father didn't sit and wait in judgment. He didn't sit and wait for the son to come to him. It says he ran to him. He pursued him. He wrapped his arms around his neck. He put a robe on him, a, f- a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, signifying that this is my son. He belongs to me. And God has the same attitude towards us. When we will humble ourselves and come to him, he greets us with arms wide open and welcomes us into his family. The third thing I see is the blessing for the believer. Now, the second son gets word of what's going on and gets mad. He doesn't understand how the father could so easily welcome back the first son after his wild life and frivolous living And he gets upset about it. But I think some sub-points off of this here that that kind of struck me is we as believers can kind of be the same way. We see someone that we think shouldn't be a part of God's family or they've, they've lived this life their whole life. How could God be so merciful to them? And it made me think we need to change the way we look at this situation, the first thing that the, the second son didn't realize is the first son had consequences. He was nearly homeless and starving. Life in this world wasn't all it was cracked up to be. He gave the world everything, and the world took it and spat him back out. And he was left with nothing. The second thing I see is no matter who it is, we need to celebrate. If it's someone that has lived the worst life, and God is willing to have compassion and mercy on them, who are we to say he can't have mercy on them? I know that I am in need of mercy. I am in need of grace. And to a a holy God where sin is sin, we need to celebrate those people that become a part of God's family. 
And the third thing I see is we have access to all that God has for us. The older son didn't have because he didn't ask. He was with the father. He was there daily. As you see with his reaction to the first son, had the second son simply said, Father, can I have the, a goat to celebrate with my friends? He would have surely given it to him. How much more is God that way with us? We don't have because we don't ask. If we will simply take and learn what this Bible says, learn the promises that he has given to us, and stand on who God is and his character because he doesn't change, he is the same. We can stand on those promises and have those for ourselves, but we don't have because we don't ask. And the fourth thing I see is life in the world is not the fun life. I don't know how many of you have dabbled in the world of pleasures of sin. And, but most people you talk to, even though they're involved with it, they, they're unfulfilled. A, a part of them still feels empty. A part of them still is longing for something. And that takes us all the way back to the beginning when God created them male and female, he created them to have a relationship with them. The only thing that's going to fill that spot in our hearts and in our lives is that relationship with God. We can try to fill it with sex. We can try to fill it with cars or with money or with experiences. But until we get in right relationship with him through his son Jesus, that void will never be filled. You see, in the beginning... When God created everything, he knew what was going to happen. He wasn't blindsided by Adam and Eve's fall. He wasn't blindsided over the, the thousands of years of man's struggle with sin and selfishness and those things. But you see, it was only God's love that could imagine our salvation. He knew what it was going to take to bring us back into right relationship with him. And that's the amazing thing about God's love. Is, you see, if Jesus was there in the very beginning, and through him everything was created, and then you see, you want to talk about humbling yourself. He humbles himself to be born a baby in a manger and be raised by his creation. He was subject to his parents who were his creation, to grow up, live a life that was perfect, and die for our sins. You know, my favorite verse, it's in Hebrews, is the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, he toiled over it in the garden of Gethsemane, but you see the joy set before him that his creation could be in right relationship with him, that they could live with him, and one day, Go with him to a place that he's preparing for all of us. You know, one thing that I, we, I think, and it's kind of on a, an article that I read a little while ago, it was talking about the church is losing sight of the end. We get so wrapped up in this life and what this life is doing, but at the end of the day, it's about going home with Jesus and taking as many people as we can with us to the new heavens and the new earth. It, it, you know, the, the, the old hymn, you know, when this life is o'er, I will fly away. Um, I love that song. But try to get a heaven mindset that 
yes, this life is hard. Yes, God wants to bless us in this life and walk through this life with us. But the end game is to be with him in heaven for all eternity. Amen? Amen. So in closing, um, with eyes closed, heads bowed, if you're here this morning and you would say, I'm not in right relationship with, with Jesus, with the Father. And I feel His Spirit tugging on my heart and, and speaking to me. If that's you, if you would, wouldn't mind slipping up a hand, I'd love to pray for you this morning. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.